In the midst of the uh, football frenzy and the return of the NBA, we've got a bumper under pressure podcast coming up. I'm Matt Ellis and joining me as he always does, Jake Barker. Hey Matt, how are we doing this week? It's been a it's been a bit of a bit of a crazy week this week for me, but yeah, no, it's good to get back into it and chat about some sport. Well one particular sport this yeah, week. I, yeah, um, we're gonna do something a bit different. Um, in our twentieth episode, which uh, None of us thought we would actually get here, but but we have. I thought, given that we're in lockdown, we should go to the pub and have a palmer and maybe a pot of cider or beer or whatever. But unfortunately, we can't have the palmer or the beer or the drink or whatever you want to have. Doesn't mean we can't have the pointless footy talk at the pub. So that's what I thought we'd do tonight. A little bit different, but I think a little bit more fun. Um, so what we're going to do is we're going to look at the AFL ladder as it stands after the completion of round 11. I've just lost my ladder after the completion of round 11 and just sort of go, which teams do you think can still make it? We will quickly talk about those sides at the bottom, but we're not going to really focus. It's more on the, the running to finals. So Jake, number one. Game clear at the top, Port Adelaide. Yeah, well, Port Adelaide, they're, they're looking really good this year, actually. Uh, I, I mean, that's that's pretty obvious to everyone looking <laughs> looking from the outside in. But I've really loved the look of Charlie Dixon this year. He's been an absolute beast down in that forward line. He's been tearing fullbacks every single week. And as you can see by where he is leading the Coleman, along with Tom Hawkins, with 24 goals. So he's... Good to see him sort of break out into into the star that we that we know he can be, because I think this has been a long time coming, and he's he's certainly delivering on that front in the forward line. Yeah, could you could not agree more? And he's he's been a player that I think many people had sort of started to think uh, maybe we're not going to see the talent that we thought he would as a youngster, and then Port Adelaide. Uh, I think they gave up a first-round draft pick and maybe a little bit extra to bring him across from the Suns. People were starting to think maybe we're not actually going to see the reap of those rewards. But he's he's delivered in a big way this year. Yeah, it's been great to watch. And uh, even though I have uh, enjoyed the, uh, the the new thing of small forwards coming out and kicking some bags and leading a Coleman, it's, it is good to see some big dominant forwards clunking marks and Kicking straight. I mean, he he'd probably be ahead even further if he could, if he could uh, get that dial going straight through the goals. But uh, he he is leading, so he'll take that. I'm sure. So just just quick side tangent. He's currently uh, third in the common race, uh, three behind uh, the runaway leaders of uh, Josh Kennedy from the Eagles and Jake's number one full forward, Tom Hawkins from the Cattery. Looking at that list real quickly, as I said, it was pub, more of a pub chat. You've got Dan Butler, Tom Papley, also on 21 with uh, Charlie Dixon. And then you've got Cameron one back at um, 20. And then um, for me, the surprise, Ben King. So while you've, since you've sort of seen a player deliver this early in his career. Yeah, I've really, uh, really enjoyed him. Just actually, just one thing I did confuse Charlie Dixon with uh, Josh Kennedy there. So that, that's, that's my bad. I'll take that one on board. He's not actually leading the Coleman. I was wrong. Um, but yeah, Ben King, he's been absolutely dominant. He's, he's been so good. The, the, the reach, the one thing that I love about him is when he goes up for a mark and his arms are dead straight, no one in the league is spoiling that. And I, I find this with both of the King boys, hands straight up, they're, the, the length on their arms is insane and they, they clunk everything. They're very strong with yeah. their hands and they, and they, and, and they mark it. When, the, when their kicking becomes, when their kicking develops a bit more in front of goal, geez, they'll be kicking bags and bags of goals in the future. Wouldn't be surprised if they um, go at each other for a Coleman medal in the future, which would be really, yeah, cool, I was, I was which just, really cool to see. I was just about to ask you, and I, I know we're, we're supposed to be talking about Port Adelaide here, but wouldn't it be great to see that number 12 run dominance again at St Kilda? I know it's only been a few years since the uh, the great man hang up the boots in Nick Rewalt, but it would be great to see that number continue to deliver. But back on to Port Adelaide. 
many people at the start of the year were had them fringe of the top eight, and we all know what their president uh, Koshy said. If uh, they don't play finals, uh, Ken Hinckley's gone. Ken yeah. Hinckley's probably coach of the year, if not for Brett Ratton. Yeah, like that. It's hard to hard to disagree with that. I, I think you've hit the nail on the head head right there. Everyone's been uh, everyone's been calling him Special K this year. Everyone loves a bit of Special K. He lo- love what he loves what uh, Ken Inkley's doing down there at Port Adelaide, and I think uh, I think his contract's up for discussions, or it has recently uh, been update. I think it's recently been extended. I believe um, it's it hasn't been extended yet, and. I can't remember. It's either, I think there's a play finals trigger in it that extends it for another year. But I think if they continue this dominant thing, they will just extend that for a couple more years. But uh, I I have a feeling it's, I can't remember if it's play finals and there's a trigger or don't play finals and we won't even consider you. I think it's the trigger, but it's it's got to do with uh, finals. Next down the list is uh, Brisbane, another side that has had a... they delivered from what they showed last year, which is something that's always great to see. You've seen Lockie Neal, who, who has taken the game to another level, along with uh, Harris Andrews. It's all their big-name players uh, taking that next step. Yeah, that, I mean, that, it's not such a surprise that the Lions are here, but, I mean, obviously, going out in straight sets, they wouldn't have been happy with that last year, and it's good to see they're actually backing it up, being in second position at this point in time. I just wanted to mention a, a guy that goes that goes a bit under the radar with the likes of Lockie Neal in, the, in that midfield. He doesn't get a lot of accolades. He's actually Jared Lyons, and believe it or not, he, he was let go by Gold Coast last year, and he is absolutely dominating. You wouldn't think... You wouldn't think he's doing too much with the likes of Neil racking up 25-plus touches every week. But Jared Lyons is having one hell of a season and would not be surprised if he polls some votes behind Neil this year. Obviously, we think, or personally, I think Neil's going to win the, the Brownlow medal this year. But I wouldn't be surprised if, if um, Lyons pulls 10-plus votes, possibly more, this year as well. So he's been one that I've been very impressed with. I would almost say that Lions would be in the top three most improved players in the competition from last year. Yeah, for sure. Well, he wasn't getting... Uh, a, I don't think he was getting as much time as he wanted through that midfield. And now that he's got that chance with uh, him being the Robin to, to Neil's Batman, it, it's working really well for them. And they look fantastic together in the middle of the ground. Yeah, yeah they, they do. And they're such a that fun side to watch. I'm going to look a little bit more into the future than just this year. It was uh, reported that uh, the Lions have a bit of interest in uh, Joe Danaher. The noble effect continues, as uh, some in the media have said, over the last 24, 48 hours. Yeah, I did see. I did see that as well. I was. Uh, I was. I'm not too surprised, actually. If if, if I'm to be honest, uh, I think they would really like to persist with uh, Daniel McStay, who's been who's been very good for them. Hasn't been. He's not the big name there. They've, they've got a big. They've got a key forward down there that uh, they like getting the ball to in Eric Kipwood, which he he's been a little he's been a little bit underwhelming, but he's only twenty two. So, but if they were to get Joe Danaher, they may have to give up someone like an Eric Kipwood to I, to get that I, deal I, done. It it all depends because of free agency, and I can't remember off the top of my head if. Uh, Danaher's a restricted free agent, meaning Nesson could match the offer and then they trade. But if he's an unrestricted, they could get him for just his salary. But what I was thinking of is I actually like him lining up against Hipwood in the sense of then Hipwood would take the second best defender and then you, everyone takes the next best defender, assume they can get him fit. That yeah. for me was the, the, the effect. And I go, Hipwood's on the second best defender. I reckon he'd get a maybe twelve to fifteen more goals a season just off that, and I think that would be so, that would to me take hypothetically if they continue to improve the way they are now, that would take Brisbane from a I think from a preliminary final side to a grand final side potentially even winning the flag next year if they could get Danaher fit, firing and improve on from this season. 
Yeah, no, and then with, with getting Danaher, that only then in turn brings probably the best small forward in the game, Charlie Cameron, to have the third best defender. And that's only going to help him. He's been absolutely dominant on the number one or number two this and, year. And he's been killing and, it. And he's probably going to get more of an opportunity with a better target that he could then pick up the ball if it goes through it. Like, they miss the ball. It would almost create more opportunity for him. And you think, more opportunity for Charlie Cameron? That would be insane. But I, I think they're primed for a preliminary finals berth later this year at the moment, the way they're... Um, they're going. Yeah, they, they will need to stay consistent. I know that they're, they're a little bit up and down sometimes. They've, they've had a couple of losses that have been disappointing from, from their eyes. But if they can stop that fluctuation between their best being really, really good and their worst being terrible, if they can keep that straight line or more or less a straight line, then that'll go a long way to them to them making that preliminary final, as you said. Yeah, and, and next up in third place, um, I'm happy to, for you to keep your supporter hat on as a Geelong supporter, Jake. But my question is, where do you see Geelong? I see them as a, a top six side. I'm not prepared to call them a top four side. That being said, I am tipping them against Port Adelaide, barring any major late changes to the expected sides. Yeah, well, as... as- as everyone knows, I, I do like to try and keep a bit of a, a level head when talking about my own team. So I, I, I know it's a, it, it is hard for a lot of people to keep that bias away, but it, it, I think Geelong are, are, are strolling along quite well. I actually think they're flying under the radar just a little bit. They're, they're just they're going along with their business. They're resting guys at the right time and, and whatnot, and they're getting a lot of production out of their, their young fellas, which is really good, which no one's talking about too much either which is good to see they've just given that they've performed at a quite high um, result level as far as draft picks are concerned um, given that they haven't had many high picks they've drafted we say time and time before but it just deserves more credit they've recruited well yeah well as people know well if you don't know Stephen Wells absolute genius he's a uh, I say this. I say this to Matt all the time, but it's it's a hundred percent true. He, he's the best recruiter in the game, and I don't think you'd find many people out there that would that would disagree with me with him with the likes of the, the pl- types of players we've picked up with late picks and and whatnot, and the likes of like Tom Stewart coming out of South Barwon, and like you got like he's an All Australian defender now, and it, he, he he likes to pick guys out of nowhere, and it. it He's the best in the game. Uh, that's all. That's all I got to say, really, on Stephen Wells. That is. And Jake will now hit pause on his uh, voice recording that he's had used previously with me. That was all the voice recording that Jake has just used. Did not just say that. That then it was all on tape. <laughs> so yeah, to be honest, Geelong, and this is the bit that I don't get about Geelong, and I, I want I, I want to know if you can explain it to me. I'm more looking in the finals aspect. On paper, they're the side I do not want to face in the finals more so than any other team in the comp because they're strong. And they're a side, we, we've, we've, I've said it before, but you want a side built for finals. And that the type of players they've got, they're built for finals. They're strong. They're tough. They can control the footy. Why haven't they taken that step from a preliminary final to a grand final or into a premiership? Because they've yeah. got the talent. Yeah, no, that's... I, I, Certainly agree. Yeah, the, the talent's certainly there. Over the last couple of years, we've had a lot of young and young guys that would think are thinking that it's just going to happen. I think, and, and that that really lets down a team when when you get people thinking like that. And I think it happens with all teams. I think it happened with Brisbane last year. They thought it was going to happen, and they were out in straight sets and they were gone. It happened so, with Melbourne. It happened with Melbourne last year as well. They they went. Oh, we just made a preliminary final. It'll happen again this year, and they finish seventeenth. Yeah, so I think it's it's partially that, but because you got to weigh that up with you got so many you got so many guys who have been there for such a long time. You got Ablett, Selwood, Dangerfield, Hawkins, Duncan. Like you got all those guys that have been been around for a while and been pretty successful while while at Geelong. So it's it's one of those things that's 
the ideal position for Geelong to be in is to have that to have that double chance. I think I know I know because in against your mob in twenty eighteen, if we could have got the job done to, to finish in that, we didn't get the job done to finish in the top four, and, and we ended up playing you guys, and and we got bundled out straight away. So if if we can have that. Knowing that we've got that opportunity to to test things out and, and and things like that, I think that's that'll that'll help. But I know as you don't want to look at that as a as a good team. But I think the the best twenty two the best twenty two for Geelong is a top four team. But whether they get that twenty two out on the park on the right ground against the right team, that's the important part in in that aspect. Which is which is why I can understand if you think that's we could be a top six team rather than a top four team. But if we get our best yeah. two players out on the on the ground, right ground against the right team, we should go. We should go deep. Yeah, I, 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 you, you're not going to like what I'm about to say, Jake. And we often have these conversations when we're talking about your mob. I think if there is a week off between the end of the season and the finals, you, you're going to need to finish top four. But if there's no week off between the finals, the best spot that you can finish. I think is fifth or sixth because you guys, I think you, I trust Geelong more to win all four finals to a flag than I do them winning the three finals to the flag, if that makes sense. I just think Geelong haven't ever been able to get that week off strategy to work, whether it's in seasons or in finals. And I know it's a, it's a low punch, but until I can see you guys win off a week off, I just can't back you. Yeah, no, that's that's fair. I've certainly happened. I've certainly frustrated the uh, the in the uh, during the season. <laughs> I think it's something <laughs> stupid like zero and six or zero and seven since we've had the uh, the midweek mid year break when we've had a buy. We've, we've always lost coming off the buy, which is really frustrating. And it's something that keeps going every year. But obviously, this year is a bit different, so it's not really spoken of too much. I actually, I actually think even with the shorter turnarounds that, and I haven't thought of this until this very moment, Jake. So I, my thought process could be fundamentally flawed, <clears throat> but is the shortest, the shorter break between games actually more beneficial to you, given that you're not good off long breaks? In a way. Yes, I can understand that. I can see that with the, uh, the older heads and the <laughs> experienced heads, I should say, I won't say older heads, but yeah, I can certainly see, see why. And uh, we're, we're, we're rotating the experienced blokes around. I know last couple of weekends ago when Geelong played North, Dangerfield, I think, played a total of 10 minutes in the full, in the midfield, played the rest of the game forward. So I think they're, they're using time in the forward line rather than missing a game as, as rest time for, for those types of players. And it seems to be working at the moment. They're playing some pretty good footy. They, they played really well against, against West Coast to to just fall over at the finish line, which was really good against a, a team in Perth with a crowd there as well. They got the job done against North and they were very impressive against St Kilda. So it'll be, if Geelong can win this week again, I reckon there'll be a few more people talking about them over the coming week for sure. Now, you, you just mentioned West Coast and that's where we're going to go to now. They've got the home ground advantage for the next few weeks. They're likely to return to Queensland in the back end of the season. But they've got the fifth easiest draw. Where do you see West Coast going from here? Uh, pretty simple for me. I see them being in the top four. They're, they're obviously currently sitting in fourth off 10 games and 28 points. So give or take a, a win there. They're still sitting in the, in the four a, ga- a game down. They've probably been the most informed team over the last month, I'd say. They've had, I believe it's five wins in a row, possibly six. And they've been rolling along very nicely at home there. A lot of people thought that they were in a bit of strife, but I I will point out that I, I said I had faith in them and they've proven my faith just here, which is which is really good. But yeah, they're, they're rolling along great and I don't see them missing at all. They'll be in the top four, possibly could crack the top two. Not that any sort of home ground advantage is going to matter this year, but they'll certainly grab that a double chance along with the power. I'm not 100% Certain on Brisbane just depends how they play each week, but I can certainly guarantee uh, West Coast uh, finishing in that top four. Yeah, I, I 
I tend to agree with everything that you've just said. And we're now going to go to a side that you and I both have slightly differing opinions. And that's, that's the Saints. Personally, I don't trust them yet in the sense of, I think they're a good side. Don't get me wrong, they are a very good side. But more in the sense that until I see them perform, I think for me, I just need to see them play a finals game for me to feel comfortable to back them. And it's a bit hard them to do that when there's no finals on. But I think they just need that experience. And they've got the fifth hardest draw coming up. They've got game. They've just had the game against Geelong. They've got Essendon, Brisbane, Giants, Hawthorne, Melbourne, and the Eagles to come. Looking at that, I'd say that they should beat Hawthorne, Essendon, but Brisbane Giants, West Coast. I can't give them wins, and the Melbourne games are coin toss. I, I just don't trust them enough yet to say they will play finals. Yeah, I can I can certainly understand why why you definitely have, have your ups and downs about about Securita, but I, I see them probably not fully, but I see them a little like Brisbane last year. They're that up and coming team. They're they're going well, but their form is very up and down. When they're good, they're really good. When they're bad, they're bad. You saw against Port Adelaide in Adelaide with fans. Obviously, not not a lot of players are used to that this year. But to have that and win convincingly as well, they weren't. They didn't just pull it over the line. They they weren't gifted it by the umpires or anything like that. They were genuinely better than Port Adelaide on that day. So on their day, they can beat anybody. But on their day, they can lose to anyone as well, as you saw against yeah. as you saw against Fremantle when they went down that day with a Lockie Schultz goal at the very end of the game. But I will say. What's helped them is has been their recruiting. Their recruiting has been fantastic. The likes of Dan Butler, as you mentioned earlier, is in the top five for the Coleman. He's, he's looking fantastic. Robin, um, just uh, I wanted to interrupt it because I've wanted to discuss Dan Butler for the last few shows. Probably the trade of the year. Probably. Is that underselling it a bit or overselling it a bit? Um, St Kilda did really well. You think of all the other sides that were linked, if you go back 12 months, the two sides that were linked to him were Melbourne and Carlton. And then Melbourne sort of went cold. Carlton focused on Tom Papley and failed. And then St Kilda swooped in and got him. Yeah, it's been a great pickup. And uh, along, with, along, with all the other, along with all the other recruits for St Kilda this year, Zach Jones from Sydney, he's been amazing. Brad Hill, he's, he's had probably had a bit of a, a bit of a down season in, in his personal I, I, opinion, but he's still he's still him, a good player. I'd give him a pass mark, but I wouldn't give him anything more than a pass. Yeah, no, I completely agree. He, he The capability he has is definitely there, but his form at the moment is a little bit down, but that's that's fine. That's a, still a really good pickup. I, I was very sceptical about the uh, Paddy Ryder pickup with the likes of having Rowan Marshall in the ruck there, but... As the season's worn on, it's it's started to grow on me a little bit. It's real. It's it's starting to work amazingly well, but it's they're starting to sync up, and the other ruckman's going forward and giving them another target down there, and that's very hard to defend. So that's been really good for them as of late. So that, that that's another that's another tick for me. Uh, Dougal Howard, key defender coming from Port Adelaide with Paddy Ryder, he's been magnificent. He's going to be a, a a defender for the future, you watch out for him. He's been amazing. And that's, and that's, and that's been Port's biggest mistake in the last 12 months, I, I think, uh, letting... Um, uh, do, was it... Sorry, I've said Dougal Howard? Yeah, correct. Yeah, I just, I just had a complete name break and forgot who I was talking about there. I think they've made a bit of a mistake in letting him go. I, if they had their time again, they would be a play that they probably would try and keep. Yeah, no, definitely couldn't agree more. And then there's a couple more, but they've all been they've all been pretty they've all been pretty decent. Oh yeah, Dean Kent as well. He's been pretty good for them. Kicked a few goals in important times, and and the the breakout of the likes of Callum Wilkie as well. And you got a lot of guys that are that are on the improve. And I think in a few years' time, I think St Kilda will be going along quite quite nicely. So it's not far away for Saints fans, that's for sure. And now we've got the reigning premiers, pre, uh, reigning premiers who are lurking 
in the bushes like most tigers do in sixth place. Yeah, it's uh, it was a very slow start to the to Richmond season. They're they're obviously kind of having the season that's that was a bit like last year, which is kind of scary because they they did end up winning the flag last year after on the back of having some early injuries to some key players, and that's sort of how this season's gone a little bit as well. But now they're they're going along quite nicely. They're they're favourites in a lot of their games and. This week is this week's no different. I think they're taking on the Suns, which they sh- they should get the job done there, and they're they're definitely going to be on or around the mark, that's for sure. And if they can get everyone back, it's uh, certainly trouble for a lot of teams. Yeah, for me, I just trust Richmond. They've 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 been the best performing side for the last three years. They could have won three flags, but they just uh, bolted at um, the second last hurdle one year. I just trust them. Like they might not get that. That they're sorry, they're a bit further back than other sides, but I trust them to make up that ground quickly and soon to really threaten for a, another flag. Yeah, no, yeah, it's it's pretty simple. They're they're, they're going along quite nicely. The, the the young guys are playing really well. Uh, I wanted to point out that Shy Bolton, he's been absolutely amazing with the with the lack of midfielders they've they've had in recent weeks uh he's been magnificent and he's he's certainly a find and i'd i'd be a little bit a little bit worried if i was richmond actually he's he's turned into quite a player and wouldn't be surprised if he he, he generates a few offers in the coming years if he's not getting that midfield time that he wants yeah and i'm just gonna add on there i'm i've been trying to think of a reason no for Richmond and I'm like I can't really find a genuine reason why why can't Richmond go back to back. I think the hub situation would be the only reason why I have question marks. There've been reports by the AFL saying that they're a bit disappointed with the entitlement that some of the Richmond players have shown, and obviously there was that incident in the change room over the weekend that just shows that might not all be happy at Tigerland. I. I'm sort of probably making something of nothing here to ruin their chances, but the incident in the change room was 100% not appropriate. I'm not going to go into any further details in that. And the AFL report, I know it's tough being away from home, but to ask to see if you can get a carpenter in to change aspects of your room for your stay is a pretty piss-poor effort by uh, that Richmond player. And you've obviously got the... uh, the Cochin incident early in the year. So that's making nothing something of nothing. But we then go to Collingwood, who I think are going to be a side that I think they're going to finish 6th, 7th or 8th, but could still be the favourite to win the flag from that position. Reason being, and I think I'm just about to steal Jake's thunder here, they're going to get a lot of players back at that pointy end of the season. And it might be... This might sound weird, but it might be better to manage yourself through the next period. And if you get that loss, that's okay. But be cherry ripe at that end of the year. Yeah, no, as you you were correct. You you did steal my thunder there a little bit, but that that that's all right. I'll get in. I'll get into a little bit more. But yeah, obviously you got Scott Pendlebury coming back later in the year. You got Jordan Degoe. Unfortunately, like a couple last, I think it might have been last weekend or the weekend before, Adam Trelaw went down with another hamstring injury, which is really disappointing. For him, because he's only just come back from one and before that. The word is he's going to be back. And the other word is a rival team saw a bit of training of Jeremy Howe. And they were godsmacked on how far ahead. This is a rival club. How far ahead they were than where they thought he would be. And by all reports of Collingwood, Jeremy Howe is well ahead of where they plan for him to be at this point in time. Yeah, well, that, that's that's certainly that's certainly good news to hear from Collingwood. I'd be very surprised if he were to come back in a season like this. I think they would wait personally. I don't think it's smart for them to bring him back any earlier than he needs to be. If he's not cherry right before finals, I don't think you bring him in for a finals type uh, intensity. But that's just me. I know Trelaw will wait an extra couple of weeks as well because obviously he's had hamstring troubles in the past and he'll give it an extra bit of time to to help heal rather than coming back maybe that little bit weak early where he's not 100% sure. But I, I, even though they don't have this, the issue for Collingwood is they sit one win outside, one and a half wins outside the eight. They play a 10th the the place, uh, in, sorry, in the eight, and they play the 10th place side Melbourne. 
this weekend where that could Melbourne realistically will not be in the eight, but they could be, if Mel, if they lose to Melbourne on the weekend, be half a game in the eight. So they are starting to get to that bottom of the eight pressure points. So they don't want to drop every game, many games, but it would almost be better to see if they can monitor it until they absolutely have to bring players back to ensure that they make it. They've got the the seventh hardest draw. They've got Port. Uh, they've sorry. They've got Adelaide, which I've obviously played um, since I got this stat. But they've got Melbourne, North Melbourne, Brisbane, Carlton, Gold Coast, and Port Adelaide to come. So tough games. They're definitely against Brisbane and Port Adelaide. Easy games against Carlton and North Melbourne, and probably the Gold Coast. And de- depending which Melbourne show up, a potential coin toss against Melbourne. So I trust Colin, like sort of like Richmond, I trust Collingwood to make the eight. Oh yeah, there's no doubt. I, I trust them to make the to make the eight. I don't know how far they can go in finals. With personally, I'm, I'm I, with personally, personally, with what I think is no forward line whatsoever. You can't have a forward line led by Brody Majek. If to go is yeah. back, then that makes sense. But they're still missing that key target, which is for me. Uh, sorry, Collingwood can only win it if they've got to back and all those players returning from injury. And if they've got all them returning, I think they can do it. But who knows? And remember that they're likely to be playing the final series in Brisbane and the Gold Coast. But we can't. I don't want to go into that. That is a different can of worms. The finals venues. Then you've got the Giants. Another side that I trust that just, you, this might be a bad way to describe the Giants, but I feel like they haven't done anything this year in the sense of they've just been chugging along. They haven't done anything particularly well, but they also haven't done anything particularly bad. Yeah, they've sort of, they've sort of just been that team that's just been there, really. Like, it's, it's, in a way, it's a good thing, but in a way, it's, it's, it's not a great thing. But they've certainly got the talent. But it's whether they can get that talent talent to gel. They do have that three pronged forward line, which I don't know if it's a hundred percent being hundred percent been fully working. But it's good to see Finlayson coming up into the ruck, which sort of leaves uh, Himmelberg and, and Cameron to do their thing. But when when all three of them are there, I just feel like it's really clogged, and, and that that can be an issue. I, d- I don't know how how well they are with teams coming back at them. I know they're very good on the offensive way down the field, but when it comes back at them, they, they tend to tend to struggle just that little bit. But they're very much that that middle of the rung team that's funnily enough, I don't think will miss finals. But I don't think we'll do anything in finals either. It's 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 really okay. weird. They're gonna beat me. they're gonna beat teams that they should beat and they're gonna lose to teams that people will think they lose to personally. Yeah, at the moment I, I at the moment I agree with you and I think for me until it doesn't happen, I'm I think that I think they're that middle of the rung team like you said, but I think they're a side that if they flick that switch anything is possible. But they just need to flick that switch. And that brings us to Essendon, which is a side that this is going to sound weird, I trust them to miss finals. I just I don't think they're there yet. I think to be honest, and I think I said this in the first episode, our first episode, their issue was their recruiting this year. They didn't take advantage of some offers that they got for players, and namely Joe Danaher. I just think they don't have a side at the moment that is capable of making finals. Yeah, I can certainly certainly agree with you on that. I, I just think they don't have a forward line whatsoever. When you're kicking the ball to a full forward of Jacob Townsend's height, that's just, just not going to work. And I do think their defence is, is quite good. I, I really like they've got they really like what they're doing down there. And with the likes I of think Merritt and, and Shield and McGrath's had a bit of a breakout year this year as well. He's been fantastic. So it's just really in that forward line that they're missing um, any sort of for me they potency. For me they lack in the ruck and the forward area, but otherwise they've got every other box ticked of a good side. They just need a little bit more in those areas. And that yeah. they they do, I I think a couple of changes in their game plan, which I think could continue to come with the uh, coaching changeover next year to, to Rutten. And obviously they've got the mastermind of Richmond in their coaching staff at the moment. So they've got 
definitely got the grouping to change their game plan next year, but they need to also make some inquiries about a key forward because I don't think Danaher's their guy. I do not see Danaher wearing red and black again. I would almost even go to say the only time I think we're going to see Danaher wearing red on his jumper is if he's at Sydney. Yeah, definitely. Then, then we've got my boys, Melbourne, who if you take the Port Adelaide game out of their equation from the last few weeks, they've actually played quite well. They're also taking into account that they had played a very good game against the second place Brisbane and were probably a couple more minutes off winning that game, if I'm honest. Um, and potentially a stupid uh, goal review in the dying minutes as well that could have halted our chances there as well. But to be honest, that Port Adelaide, that Port Adelaide game was pathetically horrible, but everything else that Melbourne's done in the last few months, I, I feel good about, except my big concern for them is the fact that you've got Luke Jackson, the Rising Star nominee from a week or two ago, now out for six weeks. You've got Max Gorn, who is being monitored for a shoulder and now PCL injury. And you've got Jack Viney, hopefully returning from concussion. If we lose Jackson and Gorn for a sustained period of time, I have big question marks over Melbourne. Yeah, no, definitely. And, and it being a six-week injury, that that's that's not going to be amazing because that's, that's going to be right with possibly one or two games left for the season. You guys have played 10 games now and there's only there'd only be a handful Seven. Or a couple left when he comes back and They're potentially with the um the quash nature of the fixture that would him coming in depending if there's a buy before finals in time for finals and i'm not sure if you want a first year player playing his first game back in finals i'm not sure about it but who knows and to be honest max gorn's one of the best performing players this year if he's out, that does bring a few issues. And I think the one thing that Melbourne does have in their wings is a great backup Ruckman, probably one of the best backup Ruckman the game's ever seen. At the moment, I, I probably would have him in the top 10 best Rucks in the comp. But because he's playing uh, Max Gorn's our number one, he's not getting the game. Yeah, well, I'm not, not going to agree with you on that one, or the top 10 Ruckman, but I can certainly agree that he is a, is a good Ruckman from his time at North no, sorry, behind Goldstein. Um, sorry, just to... Just to clarify, one of the top 10 best Ruckman in the game at the moment, based off what we were seeing him in 2018 and early 19. Oh, yeah. No, I knew what you meant. And I don't agree. Okay. That, that's fine. That's all right. That, that's why we talk. But he, he certainly is one of, the, one of the best backup Ruckman that people have waiting in their wings, that's for sure. And I don't think he'll miss a beat. I think he's been around, around the team for a couple of years now and he'll, he'll know the boys and know... He'll certainly certainly have modelled his game a little bit over after Max, knowing how how crucial of a piece Max is. He'll want to try and copy as much so then the Melbourne team doesn't have to change too much in that midfield zone. So I think he'll I, I guess be good in. I guess the one minor pleasing aspect if Gorn is out for an extended period of time is Melbourne haven't actually been able to capitalise on Gorn's dominance. It's not as if we are getting every single clearance of every single game and kicking it and hit-outs to advantage. The Melbourne midfield haven't quite gelled with Max as well as I think they should have. It'll be interesting to see what happens this week against Collingwood in what I think is almost a must-win game for both teams. Yeah, well, it certainly is for Melbourne if they want any chance of making the finals. Because if, if Melbourne lose this game, then they're 10 points behind Collingwood. And that's, that's not easy to make up. And the other thing with Melbourne is all their losses to them have come against Collingwood, Ge- uh, Geelong, Port Adelaide, West Coast and Richmond. All sides in the top five of the top six sides in the Adelaide. And Brisbane. Did I say Brisbane? Yeah, you did. But yeah, five top six sides. All their wins have come to sides below them. So that's, that, to me, is Melbourne's biggest concern. They need to beat a top eight side and they need to do it now. Yeah, and this is, this is their chance this week. And it, I, I, I honestly do think if they can't get this, this one here, it's going to make it awfully tough for them in the coming weeks to make any sort of push finals. We're just going to skip through the next ones. Do you think Bulldogs can threaten on the same wins as Melbourne, but a significantly lower percentage? Yeah, I certainly, I certainly think they do. They can. They've got Adelaide coming up this week, which should put them to 24 points. And if 
if uh, Melbourne and Essendon lose, then they jump straight up to ninth position. So that I certainly don't don't rule them out. Obviously, with the percentage, though, it does make it a little bit tougher for them because it's the percentage is identical to Essendon, but twenty percent below. Oh, sorry, yeah, twenty percent below Melbourne's. Yeah, so that that's a little bit of an issue. Melbourne's had a couple of easy kills of late, so hopefully the Bulldogs can put one on Adelaide this week and, and build that percentage back up to a reasonable amount where they can challenge possibly the Giants on a percentage level. So I still I still think the Dogs personally can make it, but it, it'll be very tough after losing the last three. Yeah, I, I, I don't trust as Bulldogs as much as I've just been very hot and cold. Of late, and then you've got Gold Coast Suns to be who have had their best season in years. I don't think they'll make it, but I'd love to see them get a few more wins on the board just to sort of be around the mark. Yeah, I'm a bit the same. I'd, I'd want to see them get a couple more wins. Hopefully, maybe get up to that. That's hopefully they get up to that seven mark. I think sevens would be a really good season for them. Sevens probably not a finals type mark, but I think they'd be pretty pretty happy with their efforts if they were to uh, win another three out of their. Half their games for the end of the season, I think. And I, I would say um, that would be the same for me for the teams just below them with Carlton and Fremantle, who, funnily enough, play each other this weekend. Yeah, that'll be that'll be another big game. Which I I, I tend to I know Carlton's a young and up and coming team, but but so so is Fremantle. That they, they are quite young as well. They've blooded a lot of young kids in the team this year, so. People forget that, and they have won their last two. So obviously they're back in their Perth hub, so that's good for them. But it'll, it'll be a really good game. There'll be a lot of a lot of young players on show as well for the future. So we'll see who comes out on top on that one. Yeah, and to be honest, I actually think um, Fremantle's um, uh, position of four wins from ten games doesn't actually do them justice. I think they've played a lot better than four wins. I've said that a bit this year, and I've, I've been impressed with Brisbane, uh, sorry, Fremantle in that way, but I understand why they haven't won those games. But they've impressed me this year a lot. And I think Longmuir is potential. Oh, this is this is a big call to make as a passing remark. But I, I Longmuir's got what it takes to take Fremantle to their first flag in the next five years. It just feels right. There's just something there that feels right. Um, Hawthorne, I don't think will make it. And I think there's going to be some very, very deep and serious and meaningful conversations to be had at Hawthorne late as the season continues. Yeah, yeah, I certainly don't in any way believe Hawthorne's going to make make finals. I think they'll stay in that bottom four behind Fremantle and Carlton. But yeah, I think you're right. They're going to have some. They're going to have some hard truths at the end of the year, and they've got a lot of lot of players that are that are hitting their mid thirties now, and that's unfortunately not where they want to be going in the next few years if they want to make their way back up the ladder. Like the Fremantles and Carlton's we just discussed, they're going to have to round it off, and that might be saying goodbye to the likes of Sean Burgoyne, who's been around for a long time, if they want to move in the right direction and. Uh, give that spot to, to a young guy who, who who deserves his chance but can't quite get in the team at all. And given where their list profile is at age-wise, you'd expect them to be a top six side. Well, yeah, but they're not... And none of them the, are in their prime, good, though. Also, given the recruits that they've made, obviously Tom Scully was a gamble, but it's paid off. You've obviously got Jager, once again, a gamble that's paid off. Chad Wingard. When I say paid off, I know you you were looking at positive, but they've been able to get them on the park. Well, they haven't just been list cloggers because they've remained on the injury list like they were at their previous clubs. So I, I just saw your face on the Zoom call and went, I need to clarify that. But they've, they've recruited... Hawthorne in the last few years have very much recruited for the now. Yep, they, they, and, they really, and they really and it's, have. It's, it's, and it's, fun, it's catastrophically failed. Yeah, it has, and that, it, that that's not and that's not something you genuinely say over an Alistair Clarkson side, um, coach side. Yeah, and it, it's something that hasn't been really talked about at all because Alistair Clarkson You're, is the master of deflection, so he's he's done well of keeping that out of the media this year. And you you also say that in the sense of we've obviously had the Jeff Kennett remarks over the course of the year, but we've sort of just gone. 
we've we've sort of it's been the dominant story for that two day news cycle, and then then it goes out. I think there needs to be very meaningful conversation done internally of Hawthorne, but I think if if they continue to play out this way, I think there will be some a lot of double page spread in the Herald Sun and the Age over their problems because I'm worried about Hawthorne. I I think. This is going to be another dramatic call to make in passing comment as we go through the teams. I think they are the furthest side, um, furthest side from a premiership in the AFL at the moment. I can't think of a side that's further up. I know people can say, oh, but Adelaide are rubbish, but at least they're starting to reach rock bottom. Hawthorne still have to acknowledge where they're at and then either go towards the draft and hit rock bottom or... Let's just try and make a couple of other recruiting changes to see if that can get us up the ladder. But I think even if they do go down that path, I don't see them having a premiership list with that path. I think they could threaten for finals, but not be a serious threat. Yeah, I can see, I can certainly see what you mean. They've, they've also got the talent to keep pulling out a couple of wins every now and then, but it's certainly not going to get them to where they want to go. And like you said, with Adelaide, they've, They've, they've recognised it and they're going with the young kids and, and blooding them and hoping they uh, go well for them. And the sad thing is Adelaide still not yet, in my mind, to reach rock bottom yet. I still think that they can actually, when they have a few retirements and delisting of a few older players at the end of the year, that's when we're going to see next year them hit rock, rock bottom. But then it's all the way up and at least on the way down to rock bottom, they're going to be blooding young talent from this year's draft. We now move to North Melbourne, who have disappointed me this year in the sense of I thought they were going in the right direction with Ray Shaw. But it turns out Brad Scott was 100% right. They needed to go down the rebuild path. Yeah, I remember you saying this to me during the week. It was, it was pretty funny. Like he, he, he mentioned this. He said, they're going to need to rebuild. I think this mistake that North Melbourne have made by not listening to Brad Scott needs to have discussion at board level about who on the board made the decision to say, hey, we disagree with you because I think they're responsible. And I, I'm not someone that says every mistake needs to have a head, but this is a monumental mistake. Brad Scott, I, I've, I've said it before to Jake and he doesn't tend to agree with me, he is in my mind one of the best coaches in the game. And I think if I was a rival club at the moment that saw where North Melbourne are at, I'd say Brad Scott would be the number one coach on my list. If I was Hawthorne, I'd hire, if they did choose to sack Clarko, I would get Brad Scott as coach. I know everyone's saying that it'll be Mitchell that takes over, but I'd get Brad Scott, even if he's a senior assistant to Mitchell. Yeah, I, I can certainly see that. I know you're... you're... That's, a, that's a huge side, side tangent from where we were going. But what was your point you wanted to make there, Jake? Oh, no, I just, I just think, as you said, they're, they're, they sort of were going down. Maybe they've recognised that with dropping Ben Brown a couple of weeks ago. I know he's injured now, but they dropped him and then brought him back. Maybe that was a sign of, all right, maybe maybe they're now going to try and blood some young young kids, but then they brought him brought him straight back in. And I know he's a he's a very good player. You want him in your side, but you, you gotta you gotta know the time to try and blood these new guys. I know Ben Young Ben not Ben Young, Ben Brown's not that old, but it sort of said a statement that if you're not playing well you, you you're gonna get dropped. And they made a huge. And the, when he got dropped, they also dropped uh, Polek, who got four coaches votes in there the week before. For and if you read the way, I can't remember the phrases that they used in their justification, but it sounded as it was he wasn't playing the team role, and they dropped him for that. So you would assume that um, I think it was um, I was about to say Brendan Bolton. But Brendan Bolton is no longer the coach of Carlton. It's David Teague, and I'm pretty sure it was Carlton. Um, David Teague would have given him a four votes because I wouldn't think that uh, he'd get votes from his coach, whether it was one, two, three, or four, and then get dropped the following week. So it's it's an interesting one. Um, and I think the other thing that they need to do with Brent Brown is they do need to play him a bit so he doesn't lose all currency at the trade table. Because if I was, I if I was particularly Essendon or Collingwood, I would be chasing Ben Brown as hard as anything right now. Yeah, well, I know he's, he's injured now, but certainly I don't, don't know how long that injury is for, but he's certainly some, a, a, someone the team like, as you said, Collingwood and Essendon could do within that forward line. 
if Collingwood had Ben Brown down there at full forward, they'd be they'd be one of my one of my top teams. So I think they need to get games into him. And yeah, and that leaves us to Sydney. Yeah, I'm going to do Sydney and Adelaide together. Actually, it's exactly what we expected. You could probably say you would have maybe expected a win at least for Adelaide by now, but where they are on the ladders, representative of where they are. Yeah, I can. I can. It's the same for Sydney. Yeah, I can certainly see that. I know a few people have been talking about Sydney and how young they are as well. I know a couple of weeks ago they were the youngest team in the comp and they ended up beating Hawthorne, who were the oldest team at the time. So they've certainly got the players coming through to push in the next in the next couple of years. And don't be surprised if Sydney are up around that 10-11 mark next year. Possibly. Yeah, I eight, would ten, agree with eight, that. Nine, ten, eleven. They 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 could, they're, they're one of those teams that could sneak in if uh, if you're not careful and you come up against them at the wrong time. And I, th- I think for a side like Sydney, this time away from Sydney might be good, just as that sort of the road trip. I mean, for some teams, the road trip will be good. But I, for me, with Sydney more so than any other team, and I don't know why, I think that this is, I think they're going to feel the benefit of this road trip next year, being in hub life, just that team environment. I think that's something that could suit them well next year. Yeah, no, definitely. Completely agree with that. It's certainly something that will help for sure, I think. But as we said, we were going to go through the ladder today in this special, almost special distance celebratory 20th episode of the Under Pressure podcast, which I know isn't a huge celebration in the grand scheme of things. But Jake and I have had an absolute privilege. We're not going anywhere. Just wait until we talk annoying stuff about cricket in the future. And that will just about do us again for the Under Pressure podcast. And we'll see you on the next.